Hey, industrial marketing friends. From Gorilla 76, the industrial marketing agency, this is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. I'm your host, Erin Burrish, and today I've got a new co-host joining me, Nihal Shetty. Nihal, do you want to say hi real quick? Of course. Uh, so just like Aaron said, I'm Nihal Shetty, and I am a writer here at Gorilla 76. Um, I'm super pumped to be here, and I'm super pumped to be co-hosting The Manufacturing Marketer with Aaron. Yeah. He asks questions every day for his job. He's really good at it. So I'm excited to have him uh, on the show with us. So on our last episode, we were joined by Eliana Novich, a PR and content strategy specialist at Two Rivers Marketing, which is a B2B agency based out of Des Moines, Iowa. We explored PR as a distribution channel industrial marketers can add into the mix. We covered what makes PR different from earned media and paid channels, um, why social capital is so important to build and how to do it, what stories actually warrant PR coverage, for example, things that are newsworthy and timely, you know, not just a way to blast your monthly newsletter in news outlets. So today, Eliana is back with us on the podcast to dive into some more tactical execution that'll help you get started on your PR strategy. We'll tackle how to write a strong press release and also how to pitch to those industry publication editors. So Eliana, would you like to briefly reintroduce yourself? Yeah, very excited to be back with the Gorilla folks and talking with other industry experts today. Erin did a great job introducing me, um, but like she said, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, work on a PR and content strategy team. So public relations is very much something I do every day, and especially pitching to editors and press releases. Really excited to dig deeper in that today. Yeah. And Eliana also has a background in journalism. So she used to write a lot for newspapers. She's kind of seen like both sides of this from the marketing and the um, PR perspective. So. Press release. This is often the first thing that people think about when they think about PR. But what's the actual purpose of a press release? Why would you find yourself writing one? Yeah, absolutely. So kind of like what you said, it's one of the first formats, I think, when people hear public relations um, that they come to mind. Um, it's definitely one of the founding formats for public relations um, and very much an essential tool that a lot of different companies use for getting their news out and really to help with um, public perception management. Um, in our last episode of IML, I know we talked a lot about credibility and and what PR does to help bolster that. And really, uh, press releases are a tool to kind of help make that possible. Um, I would say that knowing how to write a press release is kind of a fundamental tool to being a really good PR expert. Um, so I'm excited to kind of break that down and what all goes into that today. Yeah, so that's excellent, Eliana. Um, and you know, following up off that, uh, when you, we were talking about like knowing what goes into a press release, for a lot of our audience, including myself, I mean, I think a lot of us have never written a press release before. So, what does a press release look like? What is a typical press release like, and what do people know about them before they get started drafting their own? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there are a couple of different indicators of like when is the right time to write a press release. Um, some great examples are if there's a big change in executive level membership or leadership. So maybe a new CEO or or some new VP coming online. Um, the launch of a new product obviously is very topical for the industry that we're talking to. Um, if there's some kind of public event that you're really excited to advertise, like maybe your appearance at an upcoming trade show. 
um, funding announcements, you know, maybe you're partnering with some new company um, to kind of dig deeper into some product development, um, breaking news, whether it's good or bad, press releases can definitely be a critical tool with crisis management. Um, and then anything with groundbreakings or grand openings, maybe it's a new um, dealership or new manufacturing facility. Um, all of those are really great times that press releases can be such a great tool to use. Um, in terms of format, they actually really follow um, pretty traditional journalistic style of story um, because they're really that tool to get the information out to journalists that you're hoping that will then cover your news. Um, so the important things are definitely a headline to kind of lay out what are you going to be talking about in the press release. Um, the publication and contact information are always super, super critical because often journalists have follow-up questions, maybe want to talk to a subject matter expert at your company to get a quote um, on what you're kind of setting up. So always great to give them that information. Um, kind of a brief summary so they know what they're getting into. And then um, your intro paragraph should really be where you hit those five W's. Um, we call that the nut graph in journalism. So it's the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why, um, and really laying out, you know, those key critical information um, that's going to set up the rest of the press release. You can then kind of go into quotes after that from maybe your leading executive or, or a subject matter expert that's kind of ideal to be talking on the topic of the press release. Um, and then other details as well. You know, if it's a new product, for example, you might get a little bit more spec focused and what are some of the unique features of the new product? Um, and then you really ideally like to end with um, some kind of call to action, whether it's directing them to a landing page or, you know, to attend the event. It really depends on what the release is. Um, and then ending with a boilerplate or an about you and the company um, information. And then this is really weird, but it's a stylistic thing. We always end with three hashtags at the very end of the release, and it just lets the editor know that is the end of the information. Um, but that's kind of like the nuts and bolts in terms of formatting. Um, there are a lot of great resources out there um, in terms of examples and also just how to format it yourself. Um, because I know sometimes not everybody's an auditory listener. Um, I definitely recommend AP Style um, and the AP Style Guide. They do a great job of kind of laying out that formatting. Yeah, great resource, especially for something like this that can be a little visual. It definitely, yeah. I've seen press releases before and they don't just look like you're typing up an email to an editor. It's it's structured a, a certain way so that the information is kind of what that editor is expecting yep. um, for a, a news story. Um, let's see. You talked about what to include in the press release and you talked about the five whys. Were there any other types of like important information or like, I guess, like tactical tips for what to get into that press release? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we have some people that love SEO that are listening in right now. Um, keywords are definitely a great thing to include in your press release. Um, often, if you have luck, it'll be picked up by a publication, and sometimes they'll just publish directly what the press release is. And that's where those keywords will really be critical. You know, when someone's searching for news related to the topic or to your company, you want that to be coming up in the top um, search results. So include keywords, work closely with your um, other experts on your team that maybe have a little bit more background in that if you don't. Um, hyperlinks as well are super great. I think journalists always appreciate more sourcing than less. You know, whether it is linking back to your own product page or your own website, or maybe you're, you know, including some kind of reference to a study, make sure you include that source as well um, because fact-checking is so critical. Um, I would also recommend try not to make it too long. I think sometimes we get really excited about the news that we want to share, and that's really great, but um, press releases are supposed to have some brevity. They're not supposed to be kind of capturing all. They're really just trying to fundamentally share the most important information of what you're trying to get out there. So I like to try to recommend between 200 to 500 words if possible. 
Um, and then always make sure that you're editing. Like I said, there is often a tendency I've seen where we'll deploy a press release and they'll pick it up exactly as it is and publish it versus maybe doing their own article. And you don't want that with a ton of typos going out into the world and stuff. So, Yeah. So Eliana, that's a really interesting point you brought up about how oftentimes these press releases can get released just straight onto the internet, just like that. And so you know, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have probably have had, had some had some experience, you know, writing blog posts and things like this. Um, would you say that from your perspective, there's a strong difference between writing blog posts versus writing press releases? And what do those really look like in more detail? I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I definitely think a press release is looked as a primary source um, for a lot of journalists. So if they are writing a more in-depth article, um, they're more likely to quote and say like, expert said in a press release. So um, you have to remember, I guess, the level of um, officialness. It's not the best verb I could use there, but it's being treated as. Not to say that a blog post doesn't have that, but I think people really look at this press release as a very credible document um, coming from a company. Um, I think it's a little bit more formal probably than a blog post is going to be as well. Um, and you're probably not going to be as um, brand affinity based in a blog post or in a press release, I should say, as you are with a blog post. You're going to maybe be sticking a little bit more to your language and kind of how you like to present your messaging um, in a blog post versus, like I said, you're really going to try to get that fundamental important information out where it might be a little bit more formal um, because you are speaking to a more wide technical audience than maybe those direct followers who are already familiar with your content and what your company does on a blog. Yeah, it sounds like the press release is kind of like the nuts and bolts that a journalist would need yep. to tell a story. Whereas a blog post is like you as a company are are telling that story in your like own channels. Absolutely. And I think a blog post, I will say, would be like a great example of something that you could link to in a press release. You know, we talked about those hyperlinks where maybe you're doing a deep dive on that specific feature of a product in a blog post, but that's just too much information to realistically include. So maybe it's a great opportunity that you link back and kind of create that rabbit hole effect of, you know, them coming back to your website for all those resources. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Especially if they publish it as is, then mm -hmm. folks are going to read that press release and rabbit hole into your website. Absolutely. Um, I want to talk about some of the common mistakes when writing press releases. Where do people go wrong? Yeah. Um, like I said, grammar and typos sometimes can be the smallest thing to slip through the cracks, but it can really, I think, make the difference between a good press release and a bad press release. Um, I always tell people, read your press release out loud before you deploy it. You know, double check the dateline. Make sure that you've got that CEO's name spelled correctly. I mean, all the little things that I think sometimes you're so focused on the formatting and getting, you know, the message out there that it's easy to miss those. Um, and then I would say, too, is just not everything has to be a press release, too. Um, be intentional about what you're using that tool for. Um, I think sometimes we kind of talked about this on IML. You only have so much social capital with publications, you know, and if everything is news to you and you're sending everything out as a press release, they're less likely to kind of listen and perk up when you actually maybe have something that's really newsworthy. So I think that's where it's really important to kind of think about what are you presenting. And I know I shared some examples of when is it good to maybe use a press release, um, but there's some really great um, basic journalism kind of test of no newsworthiness um, that I always like to reference back to with my clients. So you know, it's like that impact and that timeliness, you know, is this important to the audience that you're trying to engage? Is it timely? You know, is this a product that isn't even launching for 10 years, but you guys just got the green light to move ahead with R&D? 
maybe that's not the right time to be putting out a press release on it until it's further along in that process. Um, proximity, I think that definitely can be important to consider if it's more of a local effort versus national. Maybe you don't want to send it to as long of a media list and you want to segment it out a little bit to be more focused on that audience for what that news is. Um, human interest and conflict as well. You know, that's always a great opportunity. I think you want to put something out there that's unique and different from what others in the market are talking about. Um, so, you know, that could be a great like profile for a CEO could be um, a great example. Or if you're doing some kind of unique like charity engagement, that's a really strong human interest opportunity there. Um, the bizarre and the celebrity as well. Maybe you have someone famous coming to visit your facility. You know, that could be a great example of a time to put out a press release. But those are some, I think, tests beyond just the um, general examples that I shared, because I know that not everything we do fits in a nice, you know, little bucket like that. So. Yeah, that's great advice. Uh, and I love the advice about reading things out loud before you finish writing them, right? Like, I don't care if you're writing War and Peace, you have to read every single page yeah. of 100 page document, right? Uh, so yeah, I totally, I totally agree with that. Um, so Eliana, moving on. So let's say that you have a beautiful press release. I mean, you've gone over it with a fine tooth comb countless times. You've slept on it. You've taken a look. It looks great. So what do you do with it? How do you distribute it? What do you, what's next? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one common thing that people are very familiar with is the newswire. And there is the actual legitimate like newswire um, that you pay to go out. And that tends to be syndicated across a lot of different publications. Um, and that can be a great way to get your news out there. I know on IML, we kind of talked about to not falsely assume, though, that that level of visibility, because it is such a wide net that is cast, um, returns back to your ROI on are the right people getting the right message and really seeing, um, you know, the information that you want them to. Um, and that's where I think kind of having your own owned media list of the key context that you're really trying to engage can be a great critical way to deploy um, press releases. Um, I know for our clients, we often tend to identify, um, you know, trade publications that are priorities for us. And then we create a media list from there that we try to kind of keep up to date with contacts. Um, and that's what we first turn to when it comes time for deploying that news release so that we're not just sending it out to the masses um, when maybe those aren't the right people that we're trying to talk to. Um, but there are a lot of different um, online resources for being able to deploy press release similar to Newswire. So Meltwater, for example, is a great tool. Muckrack is another one. Aaron, I think you talked about Apollo potentially. On. Hollow is a tool for like finding contacts. Okay. Um, goes hand in hand for sure with what we're talking mm -hmm. about. Yep. Um, but those are some actual tools in terms of if you don't want to just send it as a plain HTML email, maybe you want it to be a little bit more formatted. Those do have functions to be able to format and distribute a press release. And then, like Aaron said too, they also have search functions for those contacts. Um, because you want to make sure, like I said, that you're reaching out to the right editors that are writing on the subject matter that you're pitching in um, your press release. Yeah. So a couple of like technical questions about that. When you are submitting a press release, that means you're emailing it to an editor directly or are there other like ways to submit one? Yeah, some publications do have their own form on their website, I will say, for you to submit a press release. So it's kind of your basic contact information for who's submitting it, um, maybe a brief summary, and then normally some kind of file upload with the actual press release and maybe supporting photo assets. 
Um, so that's one way. But then, yeah, other times we're often sending directly to the editor um, that we hopefully ideally have built a relationship with. And, you know, they're always looking for news um, from us to kind of see, you know, what's the latest and greatest. And when you are reaching out to the editor, are you including like copying, copying and pasting that press release into the body of the email or are you sending it as an attachment? Yeah. Um, so I feel like sometimes this is like a camp divided a little bit because I know emails and attachments, sometimes certain software can catch it and, and flag it. What we normally do is try to include, um, you know, the headline that we talked about, that contact information for yourself or whoever the press release is coming from, um, a brief summary um, to kind of kick off what you're going to be talking about. And then that nut graph or kind of that intro paragraph where the five W's are introduced maybe a following paragraph, and then whatever the first quote is. Um, ideally, you want to quote within the first two to three paragraphs just to introduce, you know, that subject matter voice. Um, and then after that, we'll normally include a brief line that just kind of says, you know, to read the full release, click here. And if you have some kind of share file that you can link to um, and host assets there, um, we'll do it that way. And then I normally do include um, the press release as an attachment as well. So um, editors and journalists are bombarded with press releases all the time. And so sometimes I think an email that is not just the release copied in can stand out because it's a little bit more skimmable and easy for them to take in. And it shows maybe that you took a little bit more time to craft your email than just kind of mass putting something in and getting it out the door. So I think those personal touches can can make a difference. Um, and even just like making sure that you're labeling it to the editor and saying their name. You know, I think we all like to have that personal touch and it can really make you stand out. Yeah. Eliana, so what you're talking about kind of reminds me a little bit about, you know, how if you're a freelance writer, you might pitch articles to editors about, I want to write an essay about, I don't know, this recent movie that came out that was super awesome and I have great thoughts about it. And the way that you would do this as a freelance writer is that you might send a pitch, right? So not the full article, just a couple of paragraphs saying, hey, are you interested in this at all? Um, I'm wondering if, would it ever be possible or would it be a good idea or is it totally out of the industry standard to send pitches for press releases? Or is that something that just doesn't happen? People just send the press release and that's where it goes. Yeah. Normally I would say like a pitch is a different tool that I would recommend using over a press release. I think a pitch actually tends to be less formal and is it really leans into kind of that more personal relationship ideally that you're having with that editor. Um, and it often, at least for how we tend to do it, is either for some kind of like in-depth interview opportunity or maybe, like you said, some kind of longer form article, um, whether it's a thought leadership or some kind of job story. Um, so I think that's where that's a little bit different, that I think the press release is really the opportunity to get the news out there. And maybe the pitch is the follow up to say, like, hey, maybe you saw our recent um, release on this new facility that we're opening I would love to invite you or someone from your team to come visit the facility and give you a exclusive tour. Or I would love for you to talk to our new, you know, product manager that's going to be overseeing this facility to talk about, you know, how this will help us ramp up production. Pitches can be actually a really great follow up to what you're talking about in the press release. Yeah, I think that's like a really good distinction. And that's actually the other thing we wanted to talk about today is press releases, I think, is where most people start. But the pitch, like Eliana said, is another tool in your kind of like PR outreach strategy. Um, and it's a big part of forming relationships with those industry publications uh, editors. Um, and you already talked a little bit about how these differ. But like, in in what situation would you send 
a pitch versus a press release. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, like I said, I definitely think those more in-depth, um, longer forum opportunities is where a pitch can be your greatest asset because ideally you are pitching an article or like a long form interview, like I said. Um, also, it's a great chance to kind of build um, exclusivity or um, kind of a, you know, you're the first to hear this news opportunity for that editor versus a press release often, not to say that you can't issue something embargoed um, to one publication specifically and say, you know, we want you to be the first to have this news, but please wait until X date to announce it because that's when we're ready to go. That is a tactic that some people use, but I think pitching really is that more um, exclusive opportunity. Um, and it lets you, like I said, get a little bit more in depth about what the opportunity is. It maybe isn't always as um, nuts and bolts focused and has a little bit more of that humanistic feature side that you don't get in, P- in a press release as a natural format. Yeah. And is this like a correct assumption like like a press release is kind of like you're giving that writer that journalist the tools to like write a story or just publish mm-hmm. the press release as is yep. whereas the pitch is like you are offering like i feel like there's an implied collaboration there like you're offering a subject matter expert or you're offering to guest author something for their site mm-hmm. um with one of your smes is that kind of yeah. a good distinction yes absolutely i think Press releases tend to be less work for journalists. I think they're really kind of like you said, a resource, whether it's a resource for content and sharing the latest and greatest news, um, because they know that your company, that their audience likes to know what's going on with. So that's where they might just publish the press release as is. Um, Or like I said, they'll reference it in maybe a longer article that they're doing where they're featuring multiple manufacturers or it really fits into this overall, you know, story that they're covering. Um, A lot of publications tend to have editorial calendars to kind of lay out the year and say, you know, here are the different topics we're planning to cover each month. And, you know, it's great if you can to have a press release that aligns with, you know, their coverage topic of the month um, that maybe gives you a little bit better odds of being included in that coverage or or having it picked up in that way. Um, But yeah, I think a pitch, like you said, is really an invitation to collaborate. I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, and that's not to say that you are putting all the work on them. You definitely could be, like you said, offering to um, contribute a long form article. But rather than putting in all the work and effort of drafting that only for them to say no, you want to make sure that it's the right fit um, and that it is something that they could leverage with their own audience. So pitching is almost doing the groundwork before you really put in that effort um, that maybe isn't then going to be used in the way that you thought, not so that you can't you know, recycle it for your own content or go to another publication. Um, We've had that before. We pitch something to one publication and it just maybe isn't the right time or the right fit. And then we pivot to another um, publication that's maybe of a similar audience and have had luck that way. But yeah, that's great, Eliana. So so speaking of, you know, getting no's, um, let's think about how maybe we can get some of these rejections from editors turned into yeses, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I know you talked a little bit about having a personal relationship with the editor and how that's an important aspect of pitching and PR in general. Um, Let's say that I am just, you know, a regular marketer working at a bigger manufacturer. You know, it's not a huge marketing department. We're not a huge name among the general public. Uh, I don't know any editors. What do I do in order to get more involved in this world, to start meeting people, to start having these connections? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we all know it's like a 24-hour news cycle. There's always news going out. You know, editors are always getting some, you know, 
press release, there's some announcement. Um, and it can be intimi- intimidating, I think, for an average marketer to figure out, like, how do I break through the noise and really build that relationship? Um, I think sometimes if you can, finding a phone number on the website um, and giving them a phone call, not to pitch anything, but just to introduce yourself can go a long way. Um, or even sending that email to say like, hey, you know, I was hoping that maybe we could set up like a half hour video call just so that I can get to know you better and you can get to know me. Um, and then you kind of start to form that relationship. Um, if they're a local contact, you know, meeting in person, I think, can be even better. Um, I think we've also talked about trade shows being a great venue for kind of building those relationships. Often trade editors are already there. And so sometimes there's a great opportunity to invite them to come to the booth uh, and see what you have going on. Or or maybe it's seeing if they want to go out to dinner after, you know, that one evening and just getting that face-to-face time. So I think there are a lot of different ways that can do it. But I think the big thing is not immediately going in with an ask and saying like, hey, I want you to publish this. Or, hey, I was hoping you would feature this. You know, people want to be treated as people and they want to know that you are interested in kind of starting that relationship. So just having that kind of initial contact to say, like, I am not asking for anything other than just wanting to make that introduction and get to know you can really make you stand out. Yeah, honestly, it's like it's a lot of the fundamentals that we preach in marketing, right? It's like you can't just go in right away with the sale. Like and when you're selling your equipment, like you're trying to be helpful. You're trying to provide something of value. You're not trying to just like push something on someone. And it's the the same thing here. Um, one thing I'll say from experience, like working with trade publications when I was an in-house marketer is um, your company may already be buying print ads from these publications. So you kind of have an in there, right? Like you're spending money with them. You're like a valuable um, advertiser for their site. I think that can be a good way to um, make an introduction and like talk about the other types of value you can provide in like educational formats or in like earned ways that you're not paying for in print ads. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we're actually seeing a shift to that a little bit more, not to say that your earned efforts, even if you're not advertising with the publication, won't come to fruition. But there's limited space, you know, even on digital, they can't just churn out every piece of news that comes their way. And so sometimes that is where if you're an advertiser, you might be prioritized a little bit higher in their editorial coverage than you would be if you weren't. Um, That's why I think it's so critical to really have your earned strategy, your public relations strategy working very much so in tandem with what you're doing on the paid side, um, because I think they really feed off each other, both in messaging, but then also, like you said, in credibility um, in relationship building, ideally. Yeah, I I love, Erin, I love what you said earlier about um, this idea that this is basically marketing fundamentals is part of how we reach out to editors, right? I think hearing someone say something like, oh, you need to market yourself just sounds like a horrible and scary ask. You know, I think for a lot of our listeners, you already do this every day at your day job for your clients or for your own company. So um, what's the big difference between doing it for yourself? Uh, So, you know, I just want to keep us for just another second on this question about talking to editors, which is um, essentially, I'm curious, Eliana, if you have any perspective here on you know, we talked about this for PR, we talked about this for press releases, but what are some common mistakes that happen when reaching out to editors specifically about with pitches? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Getting their name wrong, for one, I have seen that happen many a time, not with myself, I will say, but maybe, you know, you reach out to somebody and you don't have their name right because you're just going fast Um, and they notice and they're not probably going to open that email or prioritize that lead, you know, because ideally pitches really should be personalized. 
Um, and you should definitely do your research ahead of time. And that research should definitely obviously include their name, but also what beats are they covering or what topics are really of interest to them when it comes to their reporting. Um, I think regardless the size of a publication and their staff, often they do try to segment reporters to covering certain topics so that they themselves really become subject matter experts on those topics. So make sure that you're talking to the right person when you are making that pitch and that maybe if it's not the right industry for them, you know, you don't want to waste your own time trying to build a relationship that doesn't make sense, um, but you don't want to waste their time either, where if it's not really a topic that their audience is going to connect with, they're probably not going to prioritize that pitch. So really knowing a, what the publication focuses on in terms of the topics and then really what the reporter um, or editor is that you're reaching out to, what their focus is, I think can be really critical to getting it um, to stand out from all the others. Um, and then I think just making sure that, like I said, you're not inundating them with pitches all the time. Um, I actually think you can do press releases more than you can do pitches. I think pitches should really be safe for those really key opportunities that really leverage themselves to being more long form, more thought leadership or or more exclusive, um, because I think that's when you really are going to get that rich content that comes from that, whether it's you contributing the article, but getting really great placement, whether it's on the front cover or, you know, within the front folds of it, um, or really getting that more in-depth coverage from the actual journalist itself, um, if they're the ones that are going to write that. Yeah. And Eliana, we talked about the format for press releases. They have a very specific format. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific format for your pitch or like the most important information you want to include in that email outreach? Yeah. Um, so I definitely think, like I said, you want to make it personal. So address whoever it is that you're outreaching to. Give a little bit of background about yourself. You know, you want to make sure that they know that this is coming from a person and not just, you know, some kind of mass email that went out to everybody. Um, so whether that's explaining kind of like your role in the company, maybe how you heard about this publication and then um, what you do um, as an overall organization, you know, the solutions or the products that you are putting into the industry um, and then getting into yeah more the meat of the bones of the pitch in terms of those five W's. Um, and that's where you can really lean into the exclusivity of the opportunity, whether it is, you know, that exclusive look behind a new uh, manufacturing facility or doing that interview with the chief technology officer of the company, you know, something that's really going to stand out and say, like, this is an exclusive opportunity. And I would say don't be afraid to call that out in your pitch either to say, you know, we identified you as being a great contact that we would love to share this news with exclusively. Um, that's kind of a buzzword exclusive or like only for you. You know, everybody likes that scoop in journalism. So definitely lean into that with um, news. But then also same thing with press releases. You don't want it to be too long. I think you're really trying to just kind of summarize succinctly what is the opportunity? Why does it appeal to this journalist and the audience that they're writing for? Um, and then next steps, whether it is setting up a call to go more in depth if they're interested in doing the pitch or if it is setting up that interview just to expedite the process with whoever that expert is or, you know, if it is the thing of I'm offering to draft this content for you, you know, when can I get you um, that draft by to meet your deadline? Um, but trying to make it as easy as possible for your contact to understand what you're presenting to them and then basically what's in it for them and how you're going to make their lives easier, whether it's coordinating that interview or getting them the content in a timely manner. Yeah, it's I mean, it really is a pitch. You're you're yeah. trying to, to bite on something. I think um, like email writing best practices probably apply here, too. Like if you do yeah. a lot of email newsletter work, you know, like the importance of that subject line and that like first sentence that you see in the little preview for your mm -hmm. email. 
um, because you're competing with probably hundreds of emails a day. And like, why should they even open it? Right. Do you have yep. any tips for um, the, the like the good subject line? Yeah, um, I think it could definitely, you know, exclusive in all caps and then maybe, you know, some kind of hint at what the headline is or, um, you know, pitch opportunity or interview opportunity. Um, something within, I would say, like six words max, ideally, um, because obviously, you know, things can truncate in different um, inboxes. And I think six words is about the best practice. I don't know if that's like 20 to 25 characters. I'm not quite up to that on my copywriting. But um, yeah, I mean, as much as you can kind of call out, like, why is this pitch or why is this email going to stand out from all the other ones um, around you? You know, why is this a unique email compared to the hundred others that you got today? Yeah, Eliana, that's great. Um, so, Eliana, this is maybe a bit of an off kilter question, but something I'm wondering about is, you know, we have a lot of audience members who have maybe not really gotten involved in PR and stuff like this before. What is something that surprised you about this kind of work before you started doing it? And what is a surprise that you might expect would be there for someone who's just getting involved? Yeah, um, I think something that I was surprised by is that like how excited journalists are to get your pitches over maybe a press release. I mean, like I said, I think both I would be a bad public relations person if I said that both didn't have their own merit because they do. But I think pitches are really um a unique opportunity that I think a lot of um, marketing teams and public relations teams don't always maybe think to leverage. Um, and sometimes you maybe are up against that deadline of like, well, we need to get this news out there now. But carving out that additional time in your strategy can actually make the world of difference, I think, in the type of content and the ROI that you can get from choosing to use pit a pitch as like the tool for getting that news out there over the others. Um, I've sat in on a lot of different panels with journalists and they've always talked about, you know, that um, sometimes a pitch can be a great opportunity for them to suddenly go down this huge rabbit hole of a topic that they never even knew was something that they, you know, were wanting to write about. Um, and so pitching, I think, is just a really unique avenue to kind of get your news out there um, and something that journalists, I think, are looking for, even though maybe it is a little bit more of a time investment up front um, and then in the follow through, whether it is that interview or that content piece development. But that was something that was surprising because I think often what we're taught as like experts is, like I said, that foundational piece of press releases and how critical they are. And they are a great vehicle for getting the news out there. But there are other opportunities and ways to share your news um, to still get, I think, a similar impact, but through kind of a different avenue. Yeah, that's that's a really good takeaway because I think yeah, people think of press releases as the defaults and the pitch can be really effective. Absolutely. Um, how often would you say that a pitch or a press release actually gets picked up? Do you have to have a lot of at-bats for this to be effective? Or um, I think definitely if you're just getting started, especially if it's like not contacts that you've engaged with before, you know, you do have to build that credibility up a little bit with that publication, with that audience, with that editor, journalist, you know, whoever you're trying to engage. Um, but I think really, like I said, just making sure that it really fits into the audience that they're trying to speak to and write for, as well as then just is the news that you're trying to share kind of hitting on those key things in terms of like newsworthiness and timeliness. Because often if it's just kind of a 
product announcement for something that, you know, has been in production for a while and maybe it's just one new feature, is that really the best way and opportunity to be using that social capital? No, probably not. Um, wait until you have maybe that bigger announcement. Um and think about the ways that you can leverage your own content in the meantime to share that news out still. Um, I just think it's it's something where if you put too much out, you almost become the boy who cried wolf, where they're not going to perk their head up when you do have something that really is uh, noteworthy. Um, and I think pitching especially should be used maybe even less so. Like I said, it should be really intentional when you're uh, turning to that um, to share news than a press release. Um, but I think in terms of reaching out to editors, you know, it's not a bad thing if you are actively trying to reach out and get some kind of earned media opportunity or sharing news with them, you know, every month. It's just making sure that it's not the same thing over and over again, that the messaging is different. You know, you recognize and you're saying like, hey, I saw on your editorial calendar that you're covering X this month. You know, we're actually launching a product that I think really will speak to that kind of coverage opportunity. Can I share that press release with you? So, doing your research and making sure you're making that an intentional part of your strategy so that you're um, putting out the news at the right time can really, really, I think, make you stand out and hopefully increase your chances of getting that pickup. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting distinction because like when we talk about other marketing, like content creation on your own channels, like writing for your blog, everyone talks about like consistency and having like good quantity of content. Mm -hmm. I think there's different schools of thought there. I think it's moving towards like it's better to have a fewer high quality pieces yeah. there. Um, but like, you think about posting organically or being on paid like frequency is really important mm -hmm. in those channels. Um, and I think that's an important distinction with PR is it's it's not about the consistency, like being in the news every month. Mm -hmm. It's about being in the news when it's truly newsworthy. Yeah. Um, and I think you'll just run run around in circles chasing your tails if you are going into it with like, I need my monthly press release mindset because you might not have news every month. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I think it just goes back to, you know, this question of being newsworthy and just having a story, right? Um, I mean, so this is just something that often happens to me when I'm thinking about case studies, for example, right? The best case study isn't necessarily, um, oh man, like this client loves me so much and he's just talking about how much he loves this company so much. The best case study tells a story, right? Um, and that's something that I think is holds even more so true for earned media, where really the question of someone loving you or not loving you or you know just full of praise isn't necessarily a compelling story to any editor. An editor is looking for something that is interesting, right? So mm -hmm. just step outside of yourself a little bit and take a look at what you're offering and see, you know, would this be something that you would be interested in if someone else's company was doing? Yeah, I think that's a great test. It's like, let's check our egos at the door. We all know we're doing awesome things. And I wholeheartedly believe that we're all doing and creating amazing things. But what, like you were kind of saying, is the standout um, from others in the industry? And why should people be paying attention to it? Yeah, that's a that's a really good, I think, closing thought here. Um, Eliana and Nihal, like, Anything else you want to add to this conversation that we didn't ask about today? Like any final like parting tips or like things to keep in mind for industrial marketers that are just beginning their PR journeys? Yeah, um, I'll just say there are a plethora, obviously, of press releases out there and great press release examples. 
Um, if you are just getting started and you're nervous about formatting, you know, make sure that you are looking at Newswire or maybe even looking at your competitors and seeing how are they form formatting their press releases and, and make sure that you're kind of mirroring similar efforts to those in your industry, because I think that obviously just helps to go towards your credibility. So there are plenty of examples out there. Um, definitely always use Grammarly and, and all the spell check things when you're doing that. But there are a lot of great um, free tools out there, great resources um, to help you get started. And I think it's a great addition to your content marketing strategy if you are not already including public relations and earned media in your strategy. Yeah, that's wonderful, Eliana. Um, I have nothing to add. Just uh, thank you so much for demystifying the process of earned media for us. I think this is something that's new for a lot of us. Um, and I think it's something that from this conversation, you know, we really shouldn't be scared of, right? That we should be just dipping our toes into, seeing how it feels, just see what happens. There's nothing to lose. Absolutely. The worst thing is that you get pulled no or it doesn't get picked up and then you just go at it again. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's that's really good perspective. The worst thing they can say is no. Right. Mm -hmm. um, awesome. So today we we talked about some of the more uh, tactical side of PR, um, how to like format your press release, um, tips for writing it, common mistakes. Um, and then we did the same thing for pitching directly to editors. We talked about the difference between the press release and the pitch and maybe when you should use each um, and some more tactical tips like what you should include in your pitch, how you should format it, um, how to make first contact with um, editors. That makes it sound like they're like aliens, but yeah. how to first reach out to um, those editors and start building relationships. Um, Eliana, if folks want to connect with you, what's what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, I would love for people to connect with me. If you have any follow-up questions or, or just want to talk about PR, I love to nerd out about this stuff, as you can tell. Um, you can find me at LinkedIn on LinkedIn at Eliana Novich, N-O-B-I-T-C-H, in case I'm sure they'll have it in the title. But um, And then definitely, yeah, like I said, message me with any questions. I'm, I'm always happy to talk PR with people. Awesome. And we have our, our closing thoughts, too. Um, first off, the Industrial Marketing Summit. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone. I know a lot of the uh, manufacturing marketer podcast listeners were at that event, um, got to meet a lot of you. And this is the first episode we're recording since the summit. So um, yeah, it was lovely meeting so many of you in person. We can't wait for next year. Uh, more information coming on that in the spring. But in the meantime, uh, if you're not already a part of Industrial Marketing Live, join us. That is our twice monthly live webinar series. Um, our last episode of TMM um, featured, you know, the, the live audio recording from that episode. So join us in Zoom uh, 10 a.m. Central, the first and third Thursday of the month. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. People are asking questions in the chat. They're cracking jokes. Um, you get to ask questions to um, guests like Eliana live. Um, it's really a lot of fun. And that community also has a Slack channel with it. So when we're not together on Zoom or listening to podcasts, um, we're talking to each other on Slack and asking questions and having great dialogue there. Um, so if you'd like an invite to Industrial Marketing Live, um, you can register yourself at industrialmarketinglive.com. Um, or if you reach out to myself, Nihal, really any gorilla, um, we can get you a link to register and also an invite to the Slack channel. So yeah, that's uh, that's how you can join Industrial Marketing Live. Stay connected. 
Uh, Eliana, thank you so much for being here. It's a great conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was great.